Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Um, I wanted to start, I don't know, I, Tom was talking earlier, um, I know for me, this time we were singing our worship songs, and at first we were singing about, I choose to rejoice in this day, and I don't know if anyone else had a hard time singing that. Um, I will say this, I think sometimes when we come here and we do not feel like singing the words, um, there is an opportunity for us to truly honor God in a unique way. Because I think when we come, sometimes we come and we feel like rejoicing, and that's beautiful, and that's a gift to God. But when we come and we don't feel like it, and we say, God, I am here, and I don't feel like it, but I am going to put my hands up. I'm, gonna, I'm going to choose to honor you anyway. Um, it's not being fake. It's not, being, it's not forcing something, but it's being honest before God. And I think when we can do that and bring that kind of worship to God in the midst of our, of our struggle, it's a beautiful gift to God. So I just want you to know that if you came here and you struggled to sing those words, um, but, you, but you just sat there in God's presence anyway, um, that, is, that is a gift to him. So I want you to be encouraged. And I wanted to start off by praying because I know that I need that this morning. So God, I, um, I just want to thank you. Thank you that you um, are faithful to us in all of our ups and downs, um, that even when we don't feel like it, you are bigger than our emotions, you are bigger than our circumstances, and I thank you that your love can penetrate into all of, of the, the broken places in our lives. Um, and I just ask today that you would speak your words and your heart um, and exactly what people need to hear today. So I pray that in your name. Amen. So how many of you have ever been intimidated by submitting a resume or an application for a job, for, for like college, whatever, um, maybe a program in high school that you really want to get into? Um, many of you know I'm trying to apply to graduate school for the fall, and I am looking at Yale Divinity School because that's one of the only local divinity school options that I could like. I could really go. I could be there in person. And uh, but even just for me, like thinking of Yale sounds intimidating. And so I'm like, who am I to apply to Yale? And then as I'm filling out the applications that are due in a couple days. Um, one of the things they require is that you fill out this thing called a curriculum vitae which sounds to me like a little pretentious, and it's never a good sign when you have to look up what something means <laughs> on the application in order to fill it out. So apparently, apparently, so in case this comes up for you ever, it, uh, it's Latin for the course of one's life. Oh, right? So it's supposed to basically show a snapshot of who you are, the summary of your experiences, education, your work, whatever. So it's, you know, it's meant to be this whole picture of who you are. But I'm going to be honest with you, my resume sucks, okay? Um, I, when I was in high school, I worked for a couple years as a library page, so I put books away. You know, it's not like a highly, um, you know, skilled job. I don't know. It was... Um, that was what I did in high school, and then I went to college and briefly worked a line, you know, serving people food. Again, not terribly, not terribly involved. And then, um, and then I was a nanny for a little bit until I decided to start a family, have my own kids. And then I spent about 12 years out of the workforce, and I keep trying to figure out how I can add parenting experience to my resume, like, you know, 
um, handles disputes well. Um, <laughs> clever with hiding cookies. I, this, these things don't always translate to a resume. But all that to say, um, I'm looking at my resume and I'm like, dear God, I hope that Yale will look at something a little bit more than just my resume because it's not really great. Um, and maybe you feel that way. Maybe you've like, I've applied some places and I'm like, oh, this isn't looking good and I just hope they would just give me some experience and give me a chance. Um, so how does this, how does a resume have anything to do with what we're talking about with Philippians, with this discussion about joy? Well, I, I've really appreciated how Tom, as we've been going through this, this book of the Bible, has been really reading through a lot of the scripture. Um, I think we can get kind of caught up sometimes. We can take a verse here and a verse there, and God can speak to us through those, those verses and those topics. But sometimes it's really cool to just dive in and read through a whole section of scripture and see what it speaks to us, what God says to us. So I'm going to do that. We're going to just jump in today to Philippians 3. And I think by about verse 5 or so, you might start to see a little bit of this connection between joy and this idea of our resume. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and read along. I know Tom's been saying every week, but I'll say it again. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to take one home, we have free Bibles for you that you can take today. Um, and you can also follow along on, I think there's a bunch of Bible apps you can try as well. So here we go. Philippians 3, verse 1. Paul says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. I almost see here Paul is saying, like, I keep saying the same thing over and over because sometimes we need to hear the same thing over and over for it to really sink in. And he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence." Now, as a quick side here, you may be thinking, what is he talking about, mutilators of the flesh and the circumcision and all this? So Paul is referring to um, a Jewish tradition which began with Abraham, and you can read about it in Genesis 17, where um, God told Abraham to um, undergo circumcision as a sign of the covenant that God was creating through him and, or between him and Abraham. And so it was never meant to be um, a righteousness in itself, but it was meant to be this picture of this covenant of what God was doing. And so basically Paul is saying, yes, that served as a picture, but, but circumcision itself, something that we do in our flesh, is not the thing that brings us close to God, that, that gives us um, of confidence or righteousness in ourselves. And so Paul goes on after that to list some other things that we might put our confidence in. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now, does this not sound a little bit like a resume to you? Paul is saying, before, um, before I knew God, before I, uh, well, sorry, before I um, chose to follow Jesus and to be a follower of the way, um, I lived my life by, the, by this set of rules. This is what I followed. And you could almost, you could almost imagine Paul like standing in front of someone in, in, in an interview and saying, you know, yes, yes, of course, you know, I come from a long line of, of righteous people. It's in my blood. I was made for this. My skills also include a proficiency at spreadsheets and church prosecution or persecution. Um, so he just lists off these things, right, as though it's, as though it's a resume. But basically, Paul is saying, after, after listing off all these things that he used to rely on to, to signify his worth, he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm ripping up that resume. It no longer is valid to me. 
Because he says, if we follow in verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And so you see, Paul is saying in in his first goal, in that list of things we saw that he said were were significant to him before, the goal was to be righteous in in himself. The goal was um, to prove his worth through his lineage, through um, through his actions. And now he's saying he has a new goal, and that new goal is knowing Christ I cannot stress this enough that 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 truly is the goal of of our lives as Christians is to know Christ and to live out of our relationship with him. So Paul continues and he says, based on that, I consider them garbage, those former things, those former um, accomplishments. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so basically he's saying, because the goal has changed, the things that he counted towards that that former goal are obsolete now. They no longer count. They no longer matter to him. And I want you to think for a minute, if you, if you think about uh, Paul's conversion experience, which I think we've talked about, um, maybe even Tom in this series, but, but Paul literally went from being a, a person who persecuted the church. That's what he thought was, was, would bring him righteousness. So he spent how much of his life, I don't know how many years, actually persecuting the church, and then he does this complete 180, he encounters God, and then suddenly he becomes like the poster boy for, for planting churches. Now, that's, that's an incredible shift. And I want you to recognize um, the idea that, that Paul, for many of us, maybe we can relate to this idea that before we know God, maybe, we spend so much of our life trying to live a certain way, trying to live by the world's rules, and then all of a sudden we're confronted with God, and God says, no, I have completely different rules for you to live by. And how jarring that must be to just 180 and suddenly be pursuing entirely different goals it would be kind of like Joey from Friends, Joey Tribbiani, suddenly saying, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm going to be a vegetarian, right? Which he kind of tried to do, right, for Phoebe, for her sake. Um, it would be like Tom and Gala saying today, standing up here and saying, you know what, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my Washington Commanders for a while, but I, I think I'm going to be a Dallas fan now. <laughs> right? It's a 180. It would be totally different rules, Right? And speaking of football, I think it's almost like, imagine, imagine Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. Imagine during the, the Super Bowl, halfway through the game, you've got one team up by 14 points, and imagine that the referee comes out, blows a whistle, and says, all right, just so you know, we're playing by new rules now. Now the team with the fewest points wins. Now imagine you're the team that's up. You're the team that's ahead, and you're like, wait a second. No, I, we have rules for a reason, and I was winning by the rules, and so we're going to keep playing by those rules, Right? It would be very hard for you to toss out the rules, especially when you're ahead. And yet, and yet I want to make it clear, Paul is saying that exact thing. He's saying, by the rules of the world, by the rules that I grew up with, I was winning. And yet, I'm going to toss out those rules. I'm going to toss out those rules because there is a better purpose. There is a better goal in life, and that is to know Christ. Anyone else in here a stickler for the rules? 
Yeah. I come from a big family. Like, my, my dad has five siblings. My mom has six siblings. Uh, when we would go visit my dad's family, we'd play games. And I remember my, um, my, like my, all my aunts and uncles were all playing. And my aunt, I remember one time, someone dealt the cards out for, I don't know, it might have been Uno, dealt the cards out of order. And she's like, whoa, no, you messed with destiny. You messed with destiny because now if she wins, it's because she got the cards that I was supposed to have. And like, you know what I mean? So she was like, the rules matter. We have to live by the rules. And yet Paul is saying, the the goal matters more. The goal matters more. And we need to uh, uh, change, allow our rules, the rules that we live by to be shaped by the goal of knowing Christ. So again, the old rules that Paul is throwing out the window are, okay, he was circumcised. He was conforming to the law. He was an Israelite. He was known as God's chosen people. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, right? He's got, he's got a, um, plenty of advantage from his birth. He was a Pharisee-like in his, in his righteousness, right? He, he could show you all these things he had done to prove his worth. And he had persecuted the church to show his zeal because, again, he believed that that was, um, originally he believed that the church was against everything he had believed in. And his new goals, however, are to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, the third one is really hard, to know and participate in Christ's sufferings. I don't know, I don't know that I can honestly say that that is, is a goal that I'm like actively working towards, but this is what Paul says. Everything has changed for him. He's willing to go through suffering like Christ did, and that's a challenge to me. And he says even to become like him in his death, and so a couple of things I want to note here. First of all, um, Paul, he lists these rules. He, he, he calls the old rules garbage, right? We're just throwing that resume in the trash. And like I said, because he was winning, he was winning by the old rules, but he chose to give up anyway. And I'm going to be honest, I feel like God kind of gave me this thought really late in the week um, as I was working on this message. But this, this message is for everyone clearly, but I think this message is going to be hardest for those of us who feel like we're winning by the current rules of the world, right? We may feel that in our life that we are um, advantaged in some way, and so it is hard for us to give up our advantages. Even, even in pursuit of God, we may say, it's really hard for me to give up certain things. Now listen, if you're, if you're feeling disadvantaged, if you're feeling disadvantaged by, by your age or your race or your, um, your income level or your uh, whatever it is, your status, you may say, man, this sounds really good that I give up all those, all those things because they don't matter and God is, God is giving me a worth outside of those things. But if you are someone who feels like you're getting a little bit ahead in some way, you may say, it's very hard for me to lay down my privilege And yet that is what God is saying. That is the way of Christ is that we lay down those things and we pick up the cross. In fact, I think that this this message even would have some pretty strong implications for us to defy the systems of the world that perpetuate inequality and exploitation based on on inequalities, man-made hierarchies, racial inequality, any of those things. Um, And in fact, I'm reading a book right now by Esau Macaulay called Reading While Black. And if you are interested in reading about his take on some of the ways scripture speaks to injustice, um, I would would highly recommend him. He has a very um, strong theology around that. But it begins, as Tom said, with, with our own hearts and learning to lay down the privilege that we may hold on to. Um, because Paul says this. He says, I'm going to give up any authority, any, any right that I have, 
based on, my, based on any of my accomplishments. You'll notice that even, even he doesn't I choose to identify with his, his birthright as an Israelite, as, as a Benjamin, as the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I'm going to forego that. Instead, I'm going to be known only as, as a son of God. I'm going to be known by Christ. And this goes along with what he says in Galatians 3.28. There's no Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. We take off whatever seems to be our advantage. And I'll tell you how this is hard for me. I started off by telling you that my resume is terrible. But I'm going to tell you right now that one thing that is going for me is that I'm finishing my bachelor's degree and I've got a 4.0 right now. And I'm pretty proud of that. You may need to hold your applause because this week, this week has been a struggle for me and I'm not sure that I'm going to keep it. But, um, but I'm going to tell you this. If you told me today, you know what, Carrie, I know you've worked hard for that 4.0, but, but we just want everyone to feel like, you know, equal and valued and all this. So we're going to make everyone across the board, whoever's going to this school, everyone gets a 4.0, okay? And I would be mad. I would be angry because, no, I earned that, and that gives me some prestige, and that gives me a sense of worth and entitlement, and, oh, dear God, here we are. Look at, I'm placing my worth without realizing it. I can subtly place my worth in the things that I do in my accomplishments, and God is saying, are you willing to even lay down that thing? The thing to you, maybe, maybe there's a thing in your life that you're like, man, yeah, this thing about my life isn't great, but I'm really good at this. Or this, this privilege or this um, advantage I have, I've earned it, I've worked for it, and I would never give that up. And God is saying, no, you need to recognize that there is something bigger than even that. There is um, something that you have in me that should be even greater to you than anything else you could earn. And I will also add that maybe... You, like me, I've noticed especially this week, um, when, we have, when we feel like we have earned an advantage, a lot of times we live in fear of losing that advantage. And then our life becomes this series of, I gotta keep up with it. I gotta keep working and earning and striving so that I don't lose that advantage. And I'm feeling a little bit that this week and God's like, okay, Carrie, you get a C in a paper, deal with it. You're gonna be okay because I love you because you're mine. And God needs to bring us back sometimes and say, there's something bigger. There's something more that I want for you. And it is more than what you can accomplish on your own. So I'm going to jump back into Philippians here. Verse 12. Paul says, after all these things he talks about, he says, not that I've already attained all this or obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I press on to take hold for that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Um, I want to just pause really quick here. Initially, Paul says, okay, it doesn't depend on our, on our accomplishments. It doesn't depend on what we do. Instead, we're, we're working towards giving up for the sake of knowing Christ. But then here in this part of the, of the passage, it's, he says, we're striving. We're running the race that God called us to. Um, and so there might be this little sense of where we ask ourselves, is, God, is, is Paul saying that nothing we do matters? Or is he saying that everything we do matters? Are we not trying? Are we trying? And here's the thing. I, I, I really believe if we look in the whole of Scripture, um, there's this constant tension right between, between faith and works. And, and I think what Paul is saying here, and we're going to see it in the next section, because um, in, in, verse, in verse 15 he says, um, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 
Let us live up to what we have already attained. And so I think what Paul is saying when he says we are running this race, we are, we are running ahead, we are striving, um, we have already attained all that we need in Christ. God has freely, through his son, given us salvation. He has given us peace. He has given us his presence. He has made us sons and daughters of God. And nothing can ever take that away from us. We can never become more or less valuable to God because we've already attained all that in Christ. And yet, it is out of that knowledge. Paul says, we are already here. You might think you're down here when you're striving to earn your approval with God, then you feel like you're constantly behind. Paul says, no, you you don't have to live down here. You already live up here. And so everything that we do, the race that we run, is not to prove something. It is an expression of our love for God. And as, as Tom talked about earlier in previous weeks, it is also out of Paul's desire for others to experience what he has. He wants, he longs for everyone else that he encounters to to be able to experience that for which Christ took hold of him. We live up here and we we strive not because um, we're trying to earn something again, but because, um, because we love God and we want to choose to seek him and see his kingdom come. Paul is saying when he says, let us live up to what we've already attained, that we're playing by these new rules and in these new rules, it turns out that once we enter the game, we are already victorious. We are already victorious with nothing to prove. It kind of feels a little bit like uh, Drew Carey from Whose Line Is It Anyway, right? The game's made up and the points don't matter. And that can be frustrating when we want the points to matter, right? But it can also be beautifully freeing when we recognize that we don't have to earn anything. We don't have to earn anything. I'm going to touch back on that in one more second here, but I want to finish out um, this, this section of the scripture that we're reading in verse 17. Join together, Paul says, in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach then their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. And so again, you can kind of see Paul Paul alluding again to this idea that the world has certain values and certain goals, and when we're chasing, um, you know, when our stomach is our God, that's kind of like us saying, okay, entertainment, comfort, those things have become my chief priority. Maybe, again, I, don't, I sometimes don't know all of what Paul is saying here, but when he says their glory is, is their shame, maybe it's, again, this idea that when we, when we seek our own glory and our own righteousness and our own way, it's truly shame because it can never compare to the glory of God. And so I believe that when we can give up those things, when we, when we throw our resume in the trash and we allow God, allow Christ himself to be our resume, then we can begin to find joy. We can begin to find joy. 
And that is a contagious joy. And so I'm, as, we, as we go through and we're I'm trying to follow along with how Tom's been doing this, and so I'm going to take the key, just like Tom. We're going to put that key in and we're going to turn it and open it up. And we're going to discover a surprising maybe key to joy, which is that we seek to lay down our entitlement. We seek to lay down our entitlement, to lay down our resume, a resume and pick up the resume of Christ. And this is why this is contagious. This is why it brings us joy. Uh, because first of all, it takes away the, the striving, the competition. You know, the world, if you look around right now, the world is just, um, we are all about having to prove ourselves and hold on tightly to the things that we think we deserve and earn. And when we can live out of the fullness of what Christ has already given us, what we've already attained in Christ, we don't have to strive, we don't have to compete. And suddenly people look at us and say, well, how come you're not demanding this? How come, you're, how come you're choosing to give up for someone else? What is it about you? Why can you be that way? And if I am being honest, um, I'm going to just close with sort of how this has impacted me in my life this week, because um, I think this was a struggle. This, this week was a little bit of a struggle for me to, to even write this message. It was one of those that challenged me. And I, I started off this week, and uh, like my poor, so I'll just start with the sob story, right? You can, you can just sit here and be my counselors. Um, my dog, I took him to the groomer. The dog came home with like post-traumatic stress, would not eat, would not drink. I'm like trying to give her ice chips. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm failing my puppy. And then meanwhile, my, you know, the kids, good God, can they not have one full week of school? They keep coming home early. I'm like, how can I get anything done? The kids are always here. Um, I can say that because my kids are home right now, so we're fine. Um, and then my husband, part of why I've got the mask today, my husband ended up with COVID. I'm negative, but I said I'm going to be safe. I'll wear the mask. Um, and so, of course, I should feel sorry for him that he has COVID. But instead, I'm like, how could you do this to me? Five days alone in my room sounds like heaven, and you get to have that, and I have to watch the kids. So I'm not being necessarily the nicest wife. Um, and then last night, my, my, my daughter, she's throwing up. And so I'm like, God, what is, what is happening? And I'm trying to finish these deadlines and I'm trying to keep that GPA and I'm trying to, and I feel like God said to me, just this reminder, um, Carrie, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you don't finish all your, your to-do list, if you don't finish that assignment that you think is so important right now, if you don't have the best message you've ever had, do you know what? You're gonna lay your head down on your pillow tonight and you are a redeemed child of mine. You are loved, you are secure, you have already attained all that is most important in life. And so I want you to live not in light of what you need to prove or what you need to do, but live in light of what I've already done for you. Run the race I've called you to, not, not to prove yourself to me, but because you love me. And even today as we're worshiping, I think God's reminding me what Paul says here, we need to get back to our first love. We need to get back to our first love and, and all the other things that have become so important to us, we need to say, may God allow those to fade away so that we can chase and pursue with our whole hearts the God who loved us so much that he would die for us, that he would give up every advantage he has for us. And are we willing to do the same and just to enjoy him? So that's my challenge to me today, is my challenge to you today. The rules have changed, you're already a victor. And in order to live now we live by kingdom rules. We don't have to prove ourselves. We can give up and we can choose to, to live in Christ and lead others to experience that for which Christ took hold of us. 
as we wrap up here today, um, I want to pray again. And, um, and I do want to just pause to, to also pray, as many of you maybe have been reading the news and following along, and I know the story of Tyree Nichols and his death and the tragedy around that has, been, has, has struck me. And um, I, I realize that for, for a lot of people, they're grieving, that family is grieving, there's a, a community that's grieving. And I think sometimes we can look at justice and we can look at it as being too complicated and, and we don't know how to fix something. But you know what? God... God is, he is never, the justice is never too complicated for him. And I think at some level we need to not only, not only ask God to change what is broken in our world, that's part of I think what our, what our calling as Christians is, to pray for God's justice, to act towards God's justice on earth because that's what his kingdom looks like. And then as Tom talked about, also to allow God's justice and his, um, and his work to begin in our own hearts so that that will ripple out into the world around us. Um, so if you'll join me, I just want to pray for, for his family and I want to pray for us all as we leave this week. Um, God, I thank you for your goodness. Um, I thank you that you are a God who, who cares deeply for each and every person who is here. And if anybody is sitting in this room today, God, and, and somehow doesn't believe that it's really true, doesn't really believe that you love them just as they are, I pray you'd break down that lie and I pray that they would know today um, that you, um, that you just, that you love them so much um, that, they're, that you see them differently than they would ever see themselves. And God, I also want to pray, um, even as we rejoice in what you're doing in our lives, I just want to pray that you say to mourn with those who mourn. And so I pray over Tyree Nichols' family. I pray for the injustice there, and I pray for the larger justice that is um, at play in that story. I pray for, for comfort. I pray for your justice, your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be a people that pursue that justice with you, God. Amen.